On this episode of the Sacred Playgrounds podcast, it's recap time. After a couple annual conferences that the team got to go to, we'll also talk about some of the things that we noticed and learned at these conferences about in-person interactions, the value of being in person, and how important it is for outdoor ministry experiences. Welcome to the Sacred Playgrounds Podcast, where we dive deeply into theology, research, and practical wisdom for camps, retreat centers, and other key ministry spaces. I'm your host, Jared Randell, camp enthusiast and part of the Sacred Playgrounds team. This podcast features Dr. Jake Swenson, a scholar and practitioner who's helping us all think more deeply about outdoor ministries. Wonder with us what God might have in store at your Sacred Playground. Welcome to the playground, everyone. Jake, I don't see like Christmas decorations in the background. Are you uh like Halloween's done, get the tree up kind of guy, or are you uh like no way it doesn't happen till after Thanksgiving? Or you know what? I appreciate the question. This is this is really a a meaningful thing to me because um in my household <laughs> growing up, we always waited until Thanksgiving time. And that was just part of it, you know, so the, so putting up the tree and doing all those things were kind of the day after Thanksgiving or the weekend after Thanksgiving. And so I'm not a curmudgeon or a Scrooge. I'm just, I appreciate the seasons and maybe that's part of living in Wisconsin. You know, I really appreciate the seasons and the changing of the seasons. And so we're getting towards Thanksgiving time, but here in Wisconsin, it's also deer hunting season, you know, and so that's a big family event and a community event here in Wisconsin for all those who partake in that. Um, and all those who don't just need to wear blaze orange all, everywhere. Um, but um, <laughs> it's part of the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, and so this is kind of the official this start to the holiday do. season for us. And I'm excited about uh, getting out in the woods and, and, and being close to nature and being close to family. Um, and then Thanksgiving, of course, we're getting together with family um, after we all get tested for COVID. Um, and, and, uh, make sure we're not, nobody's positive. And then, then we'll put up our Christmas decorations. And so that's kind of how we do things around here. How about you guys? Do you have a, do you have a tradition? I don't know if you've seen this meme. There's, there's like a, you know, fall, fall, winter, uh, meme that went around the last few years, like of a calendar of sorts. And it's like, here's how the season works right? October, all of which is Halloween, especially if you're a parent, cause you're planning and like you know, trunk or treats or whatever the other thing is. So all of that is, is Halloween. And then immediately after Halloween is Christmas part one. And then there's like three days for Thanksgiving, right? Like the day, the day after when you're still feeling it, you know, the, the black Friday time. And then it, and then it's the rest of Christmas. That is how our, our family works. The tree is not up yet. Although last year we had everything up. So I, you know, we're feeling behind. We got work to do up in here. All right. Well, I think we've effectively <laughs> dated this podcast. So if you are listening months later, uh, the reason oh. we're talking about this is because it's Thanksgiving's coming. Coming soon. We're going to we're talking today. Um, I mean, we got to go to uh, to a couple in person. Yay, in person things um, over the last month. You in particular, I got to join you on one of those um, for a little bit. But we uh, you got you know, Sacred Playgrounds got to spend time at um, two camp conferences over the last month. And so 
we we thought we'd share a little bit about what we learned, um, you know, what the experience was was like, and uh, and then that opened up some things around around the value of being in person. Um, so curious about that. We've got you know we did learn some data about that and some of the well a couple different projects um, around what that's like. So we'll dive into that a bit. You got to be all in at these conferences. Um, so so how was it? How were these? I loved it. You know, I've been I've been dying here in the basement at my 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 basement office. It's been it's been tough, you know, spending all this time on the computer. You know, it's like people think of me as the research guy sometimes or the writer. And, you know, I do that stuff because, you know, we need to to run a business. But what I love to do is be out with people. I love to visit camps. I love to be with the kids. I love to be with my people. And so I just loved being at these conferences. So I got to spend a week with the United Methodists out in Pennsylvania and see a new camp out there, Jumonville, um, and uh, just see some great friends. And then um, last week we were together. Um, it was great to see you in person because it's been a while, you know, like we've been <laughs> doing this time. Zoom thing all the time. And so just to, just to be together, um, but also to be Truth. together with um, kind of my home tribe with the, the Lutheran family, because that's the camping tradition that I come out of. Um, it was really <laughs> fun to see friends that I haven't seen in, it's been years now. I mean, it's been two years since our group had been in person. And so I enjoyed the heck out of that. Plus we had a great program to boot. And so at each of the conferences, there were great presenters. I learned a lot. Uh, Michelle Cummings was at the uh, United Methodist one. She does a whole bunch of group building sort of things with training wheels mm. um, is, her, is her business. And then at the LOM conference, it was all about diversity and inclusion. And so we had some amazing guest speakers that talked about all sorts of uh, different ways that we can be more inclusive at camp um, and the importance of inclusion um, and some of the things to consider. And so really challenged us, especially in the in the Lutheran church is the whitest denomination in the country, basically. And it's right. really difficult in the camping world um, to move past that um, because there historically camp has also been predominantly a white space. Um, and so not just in the Lutheran circles, but all of camping in the United States. And, and that's something that the American Camp Association and others have really tried to address. And so uh, working to address that in very intentional ways um, at the conference was was really fruitful. And there were some excellent discussions and some, again, some great presentations um, uh, specifically about um, about race and and working with people of color um and also working with our lgbtq uh, brothers and sisters and how we can be welcoming and inclusive of those folks um, in the camp setting um and uh people with disabilities and so it was kind mm -hmm. of uh it was <laughs> it was focused in so many ways but it was also you know you know broad in that sense of, of multiple topics of it's what does lot. it mean to be inclusive what does it mean mm -hmm. to have diverse communities at our camps and so um, it was it was very challenging, I think, for a lot of our camp directors and called called many folks to account. And um, I'm hopeful, though, uh, about the future and 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 um, folks commitment to. Doing real things, you know, action steps that can um, that can make their camps uh, spaces of, of inclusivity and diversity. So um, 
the the efforts are ongoing in the Lutheran circles, and so they've got there's a grant that they're that they're working with, and they've got symposia coming up in the spring, and so there's there's going to be some very intentional efforts. It doesn't end with the conference, but it it really was um, a challenging conference um, in in terms of content and really encouraging. So um, all of those things. Did you go on the water slides? These are the questions that matter. You know, we we were at Great Wolf Lodge for the Lutheran one. The the the, the Methodist one was at uh, the camp, and so it was it was windy yeah. and it was cold at the camp. We were up in the mountains, and so I did get outside there. But at the water park, um, I ended up you know because I was doing so many things and presentations and and hanging out with people, I did not go down the water slides. I actually went looking for a hot tub to soak in, and there wasn't one. It was just all water slides. But I will say that the director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Don Johnson, um. He accepted a challenge to go on the surfing element at Great Wolf Lodge. And so we all wow. got video of him doing the surfing. And he did that as a fundraiser for the organization. And it was it was an event. I love it. it was an event. So <laughs> I will give I will give props to to my good friend Don Johnson. Well done, sir. Yeah, we're hoping to have him on here uh on an episode uh, sometime soon. Absolutely. So how was your experience? I mean, you got to be there too. At least for for a day. Yeah, I I wish I wish I could have simply made the whole time. Um, it was really good. A lot of these a lot of these people I have done uh, you know work with whether it was you know helping with um, some of their marketing or websites or logos or things like that, but haven't seen them in person in a decade or more. Uh, for some of them, the last time I got to go to that conference was I was I was mapping it out. I think it was eight or nine years ago. And, and so I hadn't seen some of them in a long time. So like you said, that's, that's my tribe though, down in, down in my guts. So you know, when you get there and you're seeing some of these people, it's a, it's a heart and gut level that you're, that you're, and you're brought back, right? You're brought back to these, you know, to these memories of your own time and, you know, the, the ways that you've interacted with them before and seen them before and done good work with them before. So, so good to see. So good to see some of those people. I was struck, of course, with the amount of new faces, though, too, that I didn't know um, that I haven't met. It was a well-attended conference. Yeah. There were, there were over 200 people there. That's a ton. Yeah, the LOM one. Um, I, it seemed like multiple camps brought multiple people. So I appreciate that, too, that, um, that they brought you know, multiple people from their team to you know, place value on these in person, connect with others who are going through similar things, especially right now, especially as we've felt maybe more siloed than in all of our, you know, all of our time on earth so far, um, you know, felt, felt stuck. And so, so yeah, bringing their know, teams, you know, to see others who were doing that. You know, I find it funny that, I mean, our plan originally was, Hey, we're going to be in person. Let's sit down with a microphone in person rather than doing Zoom and we'll record some podcast episodes. You know, as if we were going to find Great time idea. to do that. And it it just <laughs> it's so funny how naive we were in that like, oh yeah, we'll have time for this because we'll be in person, but because we were in person, we didn't want to sit down and do something virtual. You know, we didn't want to record something for a podcast or something like that. We wanted to hang out. We wanted to talk to yeah. our friends. We wanted to mm-hmm. hear about the content that the the conference was about, and so I I just kind of find it funny that oh now we got to figure out okay we got to record a podcast episode because we didn't do it when we were in person because there are too many important things going on when we're in person. The podcast yeah. isn't the most yeah. important thing. 
Um, it's just something else that we do in order to get the content out when we're not able to be in person. So in that sense, it's a gift. And I love these, these new media that we're able to reach out to people mm -hmm. with, um, with the podcast, with the website, with videos, with social media, all that. But it really highlighted to me, and I, I laugh about it because uh, of what happened with us, but that being in person is so valuable. Um, <laughs> and it's what we're all about. Um, with sacred playgrounds, with the, the camping community and so forth. Did you hear the same kind of sentences that I did when I, you know, when I, I'd ask people, how's the conference been? And almost all of them said, it's so good to be in person. It was almost, it, it was part of the answer almost every time. Absolutely. It was, it was a constant refrain. Um, and this was true with folks that are extreme extroverts like me, if you haven't noticed. Um, but also with folks that, that are very introverted, you know, but mm -hmm. really value the chance to be with people. You know, even if the, you know, the energy in a large group of people isn't, isn't their, their jam. Um, they still talked about the importance of being together and just seeing people and, and, and sitting one-on-one because -on -one, mm -hmm. there were a lot, there's a lot of opportunities for one-on-ones in a conference like that. Um, and just, just that it was possible, you know, to do that. It was, you know, it was a, it was a question mark for a long time of were we going to get together in person or were we going to try to do a virtual thing again? And um, the group opted to be in person um, because of, you know, the, the availability of vaccines and so forth. So everybody had to be vaccinated to attend or have a negative test within the last couple of days and everybody was masked. And so we, we tried to be as safe as possible, but also knowing that there's a little bit of risk to being in person um, and saying, mm -hmm. you know, these measures that we're taking are the best we can do to keep people safe and still have this incredibly important in-person gathering. And it, you know, that's, that's something that the, the pandemic has really been teaching us the importance of presence, the importance of being in person with one another. Um, and that, that was really highlighted to me again with, with both of these conferences. Um, and uh, just how appreciative I am of, of my friends, of my colleagues, um, and of the opportunity to be in person. Yeah. So it seems like, so that, you know, the, the boards, the governing groups, the planning teams had probably a pretty in-depth conversation. It sounds like about what do we do about this? How do we, you know, do we do this and the value of being, of being in person? Yes. With all the precautions we could take. Seemed like Absolutely. that's where they, they landed and um, you know, like lots are now. I mean, cause this is something that our whole society has wrestled with. Any kind of, you know, and everybody is, has encountered it because this is built in, right? The, the urge to gather is built in, right? This feels creational now, um, you know, all the way down. And that is, you know, that is confirmed in how we've built camp for a long time. And even in some of the effective camp research, some of the things that came out, they work because they, they work in person, right? These are things that could happen in, oh, you know, in other ways. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's one of the, the key characteristics of camp. I mean, we talk about the fundamental characteristics. I mean, participatory is one of those, um, <laughs> being able to be in each other's presence and to, to move and to, uh, interact with one another, um, is absolutely essential to the camp environment. Um, we don't just learn sitting still and, and taking in information. Um, we have to be active. We have to be out there and the relational aspect of camp. Um, you know, it's, there are ways to connect with each other over spaces through Zoom, 
through other video communications, through letters, phone, social media. Um, but the importance of presence um, is absolutely essential. And when we talk about mm -hmm. the camp environment, that allows for those face-to-face, person-to-person interactions that are so valuable for all of us, uh, not just for young people. I would say especially for young people because of the need to develop social skills, um, but really for all of us. And, yeah. and so we, yeah. we, we, we're hearing now in the news about the, the mental health consequences of the pandemic and specifically for folks that have been living in isolation. You know, you and I are both blessed to have families. You know, we got kids keeping us busy. So we, mm -hmm. we have, a, a, you know, this built-in system of uh, community support and care in our own homes. And not everybody has that. And so, um, you know, being able to check in on some of my friends who I know live alone, um, who I know have had difficulties uh, with mental health in the past, um, has been important. Um, and been, then trying to get together with them in person when possible. Um, has been important during this pandemic um, because yeah. a lot of people are struggling with the isolation right now. Do you like what you're hearing? Go deeper into the research and best practices of Christian camping with Sacred Playgrounds, the book. This brand new resource is Jake's most comprehensive contribution to the field of outdoor ministry. It is loaded with stories and research from Christian camps across the country and around the world. It traces the history and theology of outdoor ministry, focusing on the five fundamental characteristics of Christian summer camp. This is the premier resource for Christian camp professionals, church leaders, camper parents, and all those passionate about camping ministry. Order Sacred Playgrounds wherever you get your books. Welcome back. So Jake, I don't think I've said before on here necessarily. So by day, by day, my job is at a church. I'm a communications director at a church. And partway through this pandemic, we changed my role from uh, some of the like gritty computer and IT stuff I did to um, some more of the, of the community roles. And specifically, part of my job was to um, create space online for people to connect. We realized over the course of this pandemic, and as we were starting to come back in person, that we were not going to stop being a hybrid community that there's value in these online connections and online experiences. So folks watching worship at home on YouTube, on their TVs, hopping in onto something like a, like a zoom for coffee hour afterward, um, being able to stream all these different experiences for folks who are, whether it's they need to stay home from a health reason or they're on the go or they they work the double shift the night before or whatever it might be. There's value in these things. There's value in these connections. When I, when I do kind of uh, coaching on, on marketing or websites or digital space things with, um, with churches or with camps, I talk about these things as a space, not just a, like a tool that we use. And so um, these are spaces for connections and there's value in them. And yet they were never designed to be replacement. They were never designed to be uh, re replace the in-person interactions. So the more that we can use, even uh, from a sensory experience, the more that we can use all our senses in our connections, 
the deeper the chance for that connection is, right? Because we know creationally there's value in these in-person interactions. Absolutely. You know, as you, as you said there at the end, we're, we're created to move, we're created to be in each other's space and to interact with one another with all of our senses. And so it's not just the voice communication between us. It's not just the eyesight communication between us. It's the being in each other's presence. It's the smell. It's the touch. It's, it's being there together. It's all of these senses together that um, help with our relationship building and our interaction with one another. And so that's why, you know, the, the, the teachers, when they were, they were forced to teach virtually, that was a big challenge for them. They couldn't be there with the child. They couldn't sense what was going on with the child's attitude as they were absorbing the information or not absorbing the information. They couldn't reach out and redirect as a, as a child is getting distracted. And so virtual instruction was incredibly difficult for these teachers, particularly with younger children. And so that's all an approximation. Um, your experience with church is, is very similar, it sounds like, in, in terms of like, we do this because we were in pandemic. It's an incredibly valuable thing to have when we can't be in person. We've known this for a long time. I mean, we, we think of shut-ins um, and, and, and other folks that can't be to church. They can't physically be there, even though they want to be there. And so the the video worship that we're able to provide them or the, the recorded tapes that we're able to provide them allows them a connection point with the community that they know and love. But that's the community that they formed while in person. And so it's not, they wouldn't choose to sit at home and not be there. They are forced to because they are, they are shut in at home or they are in the nursing home. And so we have to remember that these, these tools are, are wonderful connection points for folks that need accommodation and they are simply not replacements and they never were meant to be, as you say. Um, and what they are, they're approximations. They're our best approximations mm -hmm. and we're getting better at these approximations through things like video conferencing um, and other things like that um, through virtual reality, augmented reality sorts of things, but we're never going to replace in person. This is especially true for the young kids. And so that's, that's the thing that we have to constantly remember as, as we think about the pandemic, as we think about what is life going to look like as we move forward, we are going to need to continue with virtual communication. We are going to need to continue um, offering, you know, virtual online worship um, for people who can't be there. Maybe they're on a vacation or something, something like that. Well, they can still connect to their church community. Um, they can watch later in the week, um, and that's a way to approximate it, even though they're not there in person, adding their voices to um, the hymn and, and the, the prayers and, and things like that. Um, yeah, these are both and. These yeah. are both and. This they're, isn't they're either absolutely or. both and. We're, we're not going to get rid of these other things, and we shouldn't try to. No. But what we need to be careful of is that the virtual space does not come to replace the in-person space because it yeah. never can as effectively. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the reminder. The virtual allows us while we're absent from each other to be present in approximation. Um, there's this, uh, there's this great book that, that, that talks about social networking. Um, and it, it refers to this idea um, as, as absent presence. 
even though you're absent from a group, you can still be present virtually. That's what that's what these these wonderful communication tools allow us to do. Mm-hmm. And yet it's not the same as being in person. And we see this, the same thing with camp. And, and, and as we as we as we think about the camp experience and the importance of being in person at camp, nothing will ever replace that. You know, we can we can do um, virtual communications and, and, and things like that. But if we're talking about camp, it has to be in person. There has to be sights and sounds and smells and tastes and touch. All of those yeah. things have to be present there. Um, and the physical presence of the other is what is one of the most valuable pieces of the camp experience. Um, it's a pastoral presence. We're being Christ to one another. We are ministering mm-hmm. to one another when we are there for them, physically there for them, taking time to be there for them in their presence, just sitting with them. It's not, um, it's not time, right? We, 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 we sit there for as long as we need to um, when we're being a pastoral presence for somebody else. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when we, we did this, uh, this survey of parents during the pandemic, um, asking about opportunities, how can camp serve you? Um, when will you be comfortable for, for in-person, uh, camp again? And one of the questions that we asked was about these, these online or virtual camp experiences. And, you know, Mm -hmm. would you participate in these sorts of things? And it was a very overwhelming no to these sorts of virtual things that we're not interested. And these were folks that were camp folks. Like they were the, they were the most involved, the ones that had mm-hmm. sent their kids multiple times. Um, a lot of them supported the camp financially. Yeah. Um, givers, and we asked yeah. them about virtual camp and almost nobody said they would pay for it. And the ones, so we asked them, Hey, would you do it for free? And it was less than a quarter said they would even participate in something like that. Even if it was free. Mm. They're not interested in the online things. And, and so we heard this over and over again. I'm virtualed out. I'm zoomed out. Right. You know, that's a, that's a real feeling, especially for parents um, who are trying to keep their kids engaged. Wasn't necessarily. This platform is bad. This thing is bad. This way of connecting is bad. I can't do another thing in those spaces because a bunch of it you have to. And yeah, so to not be able to, especially something that, in all of their experience so far was so tactile, right? It was so move and there and presence-based. Absolutely. So when we, we think of things like brain science and learning, um, you know, one of the theories that gets bandied around a lot is the, the, the theory of multiple intelligences. This was Howard Gardner. Um, and a lot of times people use this theory as a way of saying, oh, I am a visual spatial learner, so I don't need to do all these other things. Or I am a mm-hmm. kinesthetic learner, so I don't need to do all these other things. And right. it's, that's not really what the theory is about. The, 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 the theory talks <laughs> about, yeah, there's these eight modalities of, of learning. Um, and we all might have a primary one. Um, but we all need to incorporate all of these um, styles of learning in order to learn most effectively. And so when we're, when we're only focused on something like the linguistic verbal, learning so so kind of logic based that's if i sit still and i hear a presentation that's primarily a linguistic verbal communication um that can be an effective way of learning but that's not the only way that i learn and so i need to have the visual spatial things the 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 musical rhythmic and harmonic um 
a mode of learning, which is one of them. Bodily kinesthetic. I have to have movement. There has to be this interpersonal learning. Naturalistic is one of them. And so all of these different um, intelligences, as Gardner puts it, that we have to engage in order to learn properly, in order to take in um, the, the, the world and to, um, and to interpret it and uh, to make meaning from the world. And, and so when we think about the virtual space, again, it's an approximation, but nothing takes the place of being in person. So where do we go from here? What are we telling camp folks uh, about this? What, is this? what does this tell us for our thoughts about the future? The kinds of uh, experiences and, and things that we're going to create? I think two things. I think one, encouragement that you matter and you matter now more than ever. In this time yeah. of pandemic, camp is absolutely essential. We need these spaces. We need camp to be exactly what camp has always been and to do exactly what camp is good at. You know, people, people always in times of crisis say, how can we innovate? How can we do things differently? The innovation is to be exactly who you are and to double down on it. Mm. Um, bring people together in person, live into your identity of who you are. Because we heard this not only with camp people, we also heard it with retreat participants. Would you want to do a virtual retreat? People aren't into virtual retreats. They want to come away and participate in person. That is an incredibly valuable piece of all of these things. So that's, that's the first thing. I mean, be encouraged that people need you more than ever and live into it. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the response to um, some of these, um, these pushes for, for virtual connection. Um, and that is to remember first that that's not what camp is about. And so you can't do virtual camp and call it camp. It's not. It's a different program. Not that it's not something that can be valuable, right? Mm -hmm. But don't think that that's going to replace camp ever. Um, however, because of how people are now using these virtual spaces, because of the availability um, and the, the closer approximation that we have to the face-to-face the -face learning, like you and I can communicate face-to-face -face in, in a way over, over, over video mm -hmm. communication. Um, these are things that we should be engaging and we should be using. They're points of connection. And so if you think of it as an approximation or a continuation of the in-person, then we have tools that we can use as our camps. So we say, all right, we, we, we develop these relationships in person. We promote the importance of in-person learning. And then we can help people stay connected, even though they're not in the same space anymore. That was always the difficulty of being away from camp. Okay, now mm -hmm. it's just over. I might never How see these people again. You know, maybe we can exchange addresses and I can write a letter. Well, writing letters is not as big of a deal anymore. Um, even emails aren't as big of a deal anymore. What if we can engage them in a virtual space and they can see one another again and be transported through time and space to that time when they were in person? The sights, <laughs> the smells, the feeling of being together all can come back to them. And so that's a way that we can leverage uh, the virtual spaces while at the same time not selling out what camp is most valuable for. <laughs> so live into your identity 
and use these new spaces to enhance the camp experience um, when you're away from camp. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone, if you um, have something that you have tried unique, uh, you know, maybe it's unique in digital space or something that um, you have heard from from your folks, um, we would we would love to hear about that, too. We'd love to hear your story about your unique idea, your your unique way of being hybrid or simply as you've been in person. Um, what have what have you heard from your from your campers and your families? Um, does this does this sound true? Does this resonate? with you. Drop that in the comments or send us a story from an email and we will see you next time on Sacred Playgrounds Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sacred Playgrounds Podcast. This episode was produced by me, Jared Rendell, and featured Dr. Jake Sorensen, lead researcher and founder at Sacred Playgrounds, LLC. Our theme music was written and performed by Taylor Wilson. You can find his original songs wherever you get your music. Learn more and connect with the Sacred Playgrounds team at sacredplaygrounds.com.